Okay, I'm rolling. Yes, sir. I am live as well, my friend. And your microphone is on? Yes, it is on. It's on. It's loud. I'm going to yell into it the whole time because people are saying I fade out, and I will not fade this week. I will not fade. Hey, it's 9-11. These colors don't run, right? That's man, right, maybe man. Maybe I should cut that. We can't joke about nine eleven. No, right we can't. But that. you know what? Let's talk about it for a minute, man. Where were you? Let's let's just. Where were you yeah. on nine eleven? I'll tell you my story. You tell me yours. Go. This is a good story. So I was in Germany. I was a missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, and so for us, being eight hours ahead, uh, it was the end of the day, and so we were just wandering in the streets of Bayreuth, Germany, which is a smaller city, but it's known for being the hometown of Richard Wa- uh, Richard Wagner, the composer. Richard Wagner, if you're in German. Um, and beautiful little city. Anyway, my I'd been there about five, six weeks. And my companion, as we're walking by, he's like, oh, hey, it's this guy. Some guy that was playing guitar on the street. He's like, yeah, we know him. We talked to him before you got here. So we stop and say hi. And he's looking at us. And you could tell he'd been drinking a little bit. And he's like, hey, what's going on in America? And we're like, I don't know, man. What's going on with you? And he's like... <laughs> He goes, somebody killed 10,000 people. And like because he'd been drinking, we were like, sure, yeah, you know, Germans all the time are like, America's so violent, America has guns. And so we're just kind of like, yeah, I don't know, whatever, man. And we get home, and as soon as we get to the apartment, we had like 15 messages on the machine, and that never happens. That's just unheard of. So the very first one we listened to is just this woman who's just sobbing, and she's like, I'm so sorry about what happened in America. And we look at each other, we're like, oh, no. This is real. And then like we spent the, le- the rest of the evening listening <coughs> to messages and uh, phone calls with the uh, other missionaries, zone leaders, mission president, whatever. And then um, the interesting thing is not having a television in our apartment and not being, you know, just very t- – it took me a year before I actually saw any footage of it. I saw some You're still images. It was, uh, it was in the papers all over the world. Uh, but I just never – and I saw a video like I was at the bank the next day and they were showing the workers cleaning up. I didn't actually see any footage of – of, of the actual event until I was home on the one-year anniversary. This is by the time wow. I got home, I guess what had happened is they, they'd said, you know, they're playing these images over and over and over, and, and people were getting kind of um, just weary of it, so they stopped. So when I got home, I mean, that was pre-YouTube. I couldn't just go, like, look up, hey, what? I mean, not that I would anyway. But, um, but yeah, it was the one-year anniversary that I actually saw what had happened. But, uh, but it was really interesting in Germany for three solid days. Everybody was just compassionate, nice, and it, really the Germans, uh, the older ones especially, don't particularly love Americans with a lot of warm feelings. So to feel kind of that sympathy coming from around the world and, uh, you know, people talk about how it united the country. It really, at least for three days, it united the world. You know, it was it was kind of a neat thing to see that happen. So, Dude, yeah. So, yeah, let's flip it over to yours. Tell me uh, tell me your experience with 9-11. Well, I, too, was serving a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I was tracting. It was 9.36 a.m. Eastern time. I was tracting okay. in a town called New Carlisle, Ohio. And we're coming around this cul-de-sac. I still remember vividly everything, the color of the door we knocked on. Uh, my yeah. companions, we were on splits. I wasn't with my companions, with a companion named Elder Marston. I remember everything. It was 9.36, knock on a door, and I'm like, hey, this is, uh, I'm Elder Johnson, and this is Elder Marston. Uh, we're ministers from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and we'd love to come in and share a message with you about Christ. And he's like, I can't. I'm watching the news. I was like, oh, anything good on? You know, just like, <laughs> oh, just man. trying to chit-chat, right? Yeah. And he looks at me like I'm an idiot. He's like, don't you know? I was like, what? He's like, a bunch of... Well, I better not say the racial term he said. A bunch of people 
hijacked a bunch of planes and they're crashing them all over the country. And so in oh, my man. mind, I envisioned 50, 100 planes just going down all over. He's like, yes, they've hit the World Trade Center. They've hit the Pentagon. They're all over. There's planes still unaccounted for. And so I just had this terror and fear come over me. We ran back to our car. We said a prayer. We drove to the mission leader's house. And he answered, was like, come in, come in, come in. One of the buildings has fallen. And as soon as we came around the corner, all of a sudden the second tower fell on the TV. And we watched it happen live. And it was just unreal. And we were transfixed to the TV the whole day. We did not leave. Yeah. We sat there and watched images. And we couldn't believe what was happening. And then our mission president called us and said uh, that for the next week we needed to, to stay inside, to stay away from any ethnic groups, and to just stay inside for a week. So for a week we basically just went to the ward and played basketball and watched the news at the ward mission wow. leader's house. And it was just it was unreal, dude. I mean, I think people our age, especially who are just coming into adulthood, who's who never had seen anything like that happen. That's why it's so vivid for us because it was so yeah. unreal. We were old enough to understand and, and to figure out and contemplate what was going on. It was just, dude. I see images still, and I immediately get taken back to the exactly how I felt back then. I can remember yeah. everything. It was crazy. Yeah. Wow, that's remarkable. Yeah, I mean that really. I would imagine here things pretty much shut down, you know, that's, I mean, they, it took a few days for travel to resume, right? Yeah. From what I remember, I mean, they, they, the skies were clear for a couple, it was just, dude, it was, it was like you said, there was just this, there was this pall that was over the whole country. People just somber and un and kind of in a, in a daze, but also, you know, patriotism went through the roof right after that. Like oh, yeah. I remember car after car had flags on them and people had USA written on the back of their cars and it really did bring the country together like nothing else I've seen and it was it was horrible cuz you you hear the stories like dude you, you I still they play that story on ESPN about that hockey player or that that lacrosse player the guy that wore a bandana all the time that yeah, ran yeah. back in the World Trade Center and helped people and dude you uh-huh. just get you get emotional still 17 years later you hear stuff like that and you just I I still get emotional I can't it's it's hard bro I still I think it's cool I think that's the a Boston College player yeah, and I remember when Boston College did a helmet tribute to him because he always wore that oh, bandana. Oh yes, and so they yes. they did the helmet in the style of the bandana that he always wore. And I thought, man, those it, you get chills. I uh, BYU a few years ago I had they played Houston on September 11th, and I was driving there with my my two boys who were, boy, you know, just old enough to maybe get it. They were six and four. And I thought, okay, they're going to do a tribute, and I don't want to have to explain to them what's going on in the middle of the tribute. So I had to talk with my boys about what happened on the way to the game. We were riding on the train on the front run all the way down, and we, we had a good discussion on it. And uh, it's cool. I, I, I definitely think it's good for the sporting world to do what they can to kind of honor the heroes and remember the fallen. Yep, for sure, man. It's uh it's an, an event, obviously, <clears throat> that I hope is never, ever duplicated again. And I will mm. never forget everything about that day, where I was, how I felt, my thoughts about my family, everything. It was it was a terrible day. So yeah, definitely. Anyway, so thank you to all those man, all the police officers and firefighters who were men who walked into that building and rushed up the stairs while others were rushing out. Those guys, God bless those guys, man. We appreciate them. Well, and and to recognize too those among us now who. 
weren't in that exact circumstance, time and space, but but would do the same. You know, we've got a lot of the, the Twitter community is awesome because we've got a lot of military, we've got a lot of police, we've got a lot of heroes. Just yep. you know, they do the same thing, no questions asked, and and it's awesome. The the society world, we need those people. So thank you, yep. thank you, everybody. Yes. So. so football, huh? I guess that's that's what this podcast is about, right? Yeah. What a, what we'll a weekend, man! Utah dominates NIU start to finish. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, BYU Did couldn't they? get past Cal. I felt like Utah won a game that felt like a loss, and BYU had a close loss that felt like a blowout. Dude, well, from my perspective, okay, I'll tell you how I felt. I, I honestly, and and, you, and that people say that a lot, that felt like a loss. No, this, literally, I was so angry as soon as the yeah. game ended, and I, I – I, I lose sleep when we lose. I know it's pathetic, okay? Yeah. But I'll, no, I'll no, wake up in the middle of the night and I'll be passion. angry. But, dude, uh-huh. I woke up in the middle of the night, you know, at like 2 in the morning to go get a drink of water, and I was so angry still hours uh-huh. after. And it was a win just because it felt so terrible. Yeah. And it was just, I, I mean, it. I, I can't even describe it. I can't even describe it. It felt terrible, and I was angry for most of the day. The... The one thing as a Ute fan, and I can't say it like that. People would be like, see, I knew you were a Ute fan. If I were a Ute fan, uh, the one positive I look at, somebody on Twitter that was at the game said, first half, watching the bench, they were not dialed in. They seemed very relaxed. And and you talk about teams overlooking teams all the time. I think this Utah team bought into the hype and completely overlooked this team. And I think that's a good th- it's not a good it's never good to do that. You want your team to have focus, but it's a good thing because of this. I don't think that game reflects who they are. I, I don't think this is gonna be some terrible team that's gonna just not show up against Washington this week. I, I feel like if they Take it seriously. Show up to the game. This doesn't mean doom and gloom for the season. Gosh, I hope so, dude, because if that team does show up, if that team that showed up against NIU shows up the rest of the season, we will not win another game. It was bad. And maybe that's part of it. Maybe they overlooked it, and that's that's not a good thing anyway. But overlooking is one thing. Having your offensive linemen get blown by play after play after play by these supposed undersized defensive linemen is not something that, in my opinion, is just from overlooking somebody. Our offensive line got freaking trashed, and it was embarrassing. We gave up six freaking sacks. Six sacks to NIU, bro. Six sacks. And you tell me Washington's D-line, Stanford's D-line, and USC's D-line isn't going to do more than that? If that same line shows up, they will. But it was it was embarrassing, yeah. and it was, it, was, it was so frustrating because even when – even when Huntley wasn't getting sacked, he was getting hurried and he was had no time. And it was just it was a it was a flat out embarrassing performance by the offensive line. And I was angry about it. And not only that, not only was I angry at the offensive line, I was angry at our so called best receivers in the nation. These dudes running their mouth on the offseason, talking about how great they are. Can't even mm-hmm. freaking catch open passes. There's one play play towards the end of the uh, game in the, the fourth quarter. I'm not going to say which receiver it was, but it was like third and five. Huntley gets pressured. He rolls out, throws it right to one of the receivers who's at the sticks, and it bounces off his arms. Would have been a first down. Would have kept the freaking drive going. It would have salted him away earlier, but no. Just all these simple passes, and I was so angry. Now I'm getting angry yeah. talking about it again, man. I know you are. I believe that was actually the best receiver in the country, right? No, that wasn't. That <laughs> oh, was that not. one wasn't him. Okay. That wasn't him. But, boy, I, you'd hope the best receiver in the country, bless his heart, would have more than three catches after two games. Yeah. No, he's, he's what, third or fourth on the Utes team, but best in the country. Um, no, I 
Here's another thing. This is weird football logic, and I admittedly, I I've never suited up. I I did not play football, but I love the game. I love watching it. I love the strategy. I love learning about it. This is twice in a row now. So the Arizona game, the guys calling the the TV, you know, the announcers are talking about how. Arizona had did not have home field advantage because it's so hot there that they have to practice late at night. So BYU has an indoor practice facility, so they're better conditioned, and the home field advantage is a disadvantage. And I thought that is some circular logic saying what this home the... field advantage is a disadvantage. So uh, along those lines, somebody pointed this out. They said NIU, the defensive line is shorter; they're smaller. And and on the line, it's all a game about leverage, right? If you can get underneath your guy. It doesn't matter if he's bigger or stronger. You have the leverage, and you can drive him wherever you want him. And they said, these smaller defensive linemen, they're starting out with the leverage advantage. And so Utah struggles because they're too big, and they're too strong, and they can't get underneath the defensive linemen. And I thought, okay, I'm following. I'm following what you're saying. But if that's true... Why don't we all have five foot five defensive linemen? Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't. I don't buy that for a second, man. And there's and gotta I, be more than that, dude. If that you're right, if that were the case, then every time you just look at the lineup and say, "Oh, this lineman's taller than this guy. He's screwed." You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it makes no sense, dude. And I hate to come off snobbyish, but dude, these are Pac-12 freaking offensive linemen. Okay, they should be able to handle these NIU guys who just the week before got blown out by a middle mid-level Iowa team. All right. Yeah. So the performance was was subpar. It was piss poor, and it was it cannot be duplicated. If it is duplicated, then bro, we are in for a long freaking season. You know, and that's that's the struggle too. Is skill players. It's fixable. You know, you got a receiver that's like dropping the ball all the time. Just don't throw it to him. Throw it to the other guy. You know, like uh-huh. there's there's things you can do. A weakness in the offensive line, that's a tough thing to fix midseason. That's what I'm worried so, about too because it's like, well, and I've talked about, it, well, we can, it can be fixable, but how? You just tell them to block better, you know? Hey, just yeah. don't let the guy pass you this time, you know? Like, I mean, yeah, I guess you can yeah. scheme around it and run play calls that go away from certain linemen, et cetera. But what do you do? Just just tell him to play harder, play better? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's there, there were tough. times, I don't want to call him out, but he was a big-time, high-level offensive line recruit, offers from Michigan in big schools, and he's a senior this year, and he got flat-out freaking embarrassed time after time by Sutton yeah. Smith, their defensive end. And granted, he's an awesome player, but, bro, he's yeah. I don't he's care. He's no slouch. Yeah. But but you're right. Pac-12 play, they're going to be facing Sutton Smith's week in week out. He's not the the best player he's going to face the rest right, of the year. Right. Right. And so that's that's what has me worried for the rest of the year. I mean, my confidence for an 8-9-10 win season definitely took a major hit Saturday night. However, I will say this. And granted, I'm an eternal optimist when it comes to the Utes, but this is what Kyle Whittingham teams often do they yeah. often play down to crappy teams i mean look at all the games against byu right crappy teams for a <laughs> decade <laughs> for a decade we should have blown them out but we never do just kidding but like a okay, perfect example to 2008 13 to 10 against new mexico is our final score uh-huh. we go to new mexico yeah. win 13 to 10 and that was the year we you know won the the prestigious anderson hester national championship yeah, yeah you know yeah. and so that's just that's just what kyle whittingham teams seem to do they seem uh-huh. to play down to competition, but conversely, they seem to play up too. You look at yeah. one of our five and seven years a few years ago, that's the year we beat number five Stanford, you know? Mm-hmm. So we seem to show up when it matters and also not show up when we should sometimes. 
So that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping it's another one of those glitches. Like you said, we got cocky. We overlooked them. We went to freaking NIU in front of 5,000 people, had no energy, didn't care because we were thinking about Washington, and we just couldn't finish. Um, And I know know Huntley gets a lot of crap, but – I don't think he was as bad as it felt. It felt bad because there were drives that didn't end well, and a lot of them were because of drop passes and Mm -hmm. holds by by another certain offensive lineman who seemed to hold all game long that ended drives. Because his numbers weren't terrible, dude. Almost 300 yards, 21 of 30, so 66% completion percentage, no Mm -hmm. interceptions. Um, And so his numbers are semi-deceiving, so I I don't think he played as bad as it felt, but he Mm -hmm. definitely needs to up his production, and it's specifically the offensive line, man. We got to freaking up that. If we can, I think we, we stand a good chance to have a good season. If we can't, it's going to be a long a long one. I, I would love to see an advanced metric show up for quarterback efficiency where you look – because I thought about this with Tanner's first game against Arizona. You know, his completion percentage was somewhere, I don't know, right around there, 60s, something like that. But when you go back and watch through, one-fourth of all his passes were uncatchable. And so you'd say, well, okay, his completion completion percentage was this, but it was not on the receivers. He wasn't giving them a chance. And if you look at Huntley, when he's getting the ball on target and they're dropping it, I don't know, that shouldn't really count against him. There needs to be a better metric for that. There does, because there were a couple, like I said, they were just literally right off the hands. Uh, Even even Elder Covey had one that – Almost went for a fumble that they had a review that they thought was a backwards mm. pass, but it wasn't. It was it was right in his hands. Granny yeah. had a turn a bit, but he should have he should have caught that. But I'm not I'm I'm not going to pile on Covey because he is incredible and he's the only bright spot for the receiving core right now. Um, yeah. But yeah, man, I expect us to expect us to show up. And you know what, Huntley did have he did have some nice plays. He had a, where he's under pressure and kind of got out of pressure, looked up and found. Uh, Boyd down on the sideline for a big 30, 40-yard gain. And there's also his mm-hmm. pass to Jalen Dixon was beautiful, right on the money, over the shoulders. There's like a 40-plus mm-hmm. yard pass. So he's got – he just needs to dial it in a little bit. And, I mean, this weekend we'll, we'll show big time about what we are for the rest of the year. If we show up, play hard, maybe even get the win, then I expect a good season. If we get blown out, then uh, I think it's bad news. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think this is, if if ever the team was expected to be dialed in and focused and show up with their A game, that's this week. So yeah. I'm going to say, if Utah can keep it within two touchdowns, I don't think we need to adjust our expectations. Washington's a good team. This wasn't circled as a win for very many people. You know, this is one of the expected losses just because Washington's good. Now, if if it's four or five scores, if it's over by halfway through the third quarter, then, and especially what you pointed out, if it's that way, but specifically if it's that way because Huntley has zero time, because the running game just isn't getting established, if the offensive line is the weakness and that's the reason it's lopsided in the third quarter, yeah, I think we maybe do need to adjust the expectations for the whole season. So this will be the game, I think, that tells us who this team is. Agreed. And one thing I know, I mean, Utah has always played Washington well. You look at last year, we were up Mm. seven with two minutes to go. You know, Washington got the ball, scored a touchdown, and then Witt inexplicably called that timeout to give them mm-hmm. more time to run one more play to get a field goal range. But we really yeah. we led that whole game, and Washington was a top-10 team last year. The year before, it was two top-15 teams, and it was tied with five minutes to go, and they had that punt return for a touchdown to win it. Um, the year before, we beat them in Washington. We, so with Chris Peterson, for some reason we play him well, and I expect no different this year or this week. I expect it will be a, a seven-point or less victory for whoever wins. 
Is this how many years is this with Chris Peterson now with the Huskies? Is this his third? I want to say four. I want to say four. Fourth year. Okay. Yeah, I want to say four. I think it's his fourth year. Yeah, I think it's his fourth I, year. I wonder if he would notice the same trend and circle this game and say, "Look, no more. You know, we're better than these guys. We need to show up." You know, from his point of view, I, he may be noticing the same thing, and they may show up with their A game. Yeah, I mean, he he did make mention in his presser, and obviously they they you know pressers are full of fluff, obviously because everyone can hear right. them. But he did mention that he thinks it's going to be a more raucous environment here, and they need to be mm-hmm. ready for it than they saw against Auburn. And I mean, yeah, our Rice Eccles is smaller, but dude, on huge games, it gets freaking rocking in there yeah. and the way it's built the sound stays in there and it's a pretty crazy environment it's our blackout this week i expect it to be as the kids say liddy fam you know i expect liddy it to be fam. lit in there man it's gonna be yeah great. yeah here's here's the advantage all utah teams have I've, I've tried to explain this to people if you're if you're a professional or college team in la if you're usc on a typical weekend you know uh, People in their 20s, they're going to have 10 options of cool things. They're going to have concerts. They're going to have the beach, the mountains. They're going to have – and we have mountains too, not to take away from Utah's mountains. But there's just a lot of competition out there for your time and your attention. Uh, You've got drugs. Drugs, I hear, are nice. You know, you've got a lot of things you could go do. But then in Utah, you got so many people that are living this clean lifestyle where, yeah, we'll go to concerts, but you know, people aren't partying. People don't have these other outlets that the rest of the country maybe has to a large extent. And not to discount, I mean, we've got a, a, a lot of diverse fans in the Utah fan base, and that's cool. But a high percentage of people that live in Utah, this is the outlet. So you show up at a Utah Jazz game, and yeah, of course the fans are into it and hostile because this is what we do. This is what yep. we can do. Right? Especially for big games. You look at the playoffs, dude, the, the Delta Center, I'll always call it the Delta Center. The Delta Center is so crazy during playoff yeah. games. It's unreal, you know? Yeah. And so big games like this, I expect Rice Eccles to be to be on fire. I expect a good game. I'm gonna I guess we'll just get predictions out of the way now and then we can move on to BYU. I, I think yeah. what's gonna happen, I think it's gonna be that type of thing. It's gonna be a close game because our defense is legit, man. Our defense, mm-hmm. regardless of the struggles our offense has, our defense is awesome. I mean, and granted, mm-hmm. we've played two lower-level teams, but one touchdown in those two games, and that one touchdown was started at the two-yard line, you know, mm-hmm. after an interception. Yeah. Our D is legit. I, I think our D will keep us in every single game as long right. as they don't get tired of bailing out the offense and just give up, you know, like yeah. they can't do yeah. this anymore. So I think I think it's going to be like a 21-16 game. I think it'll be – we'll go into the fourth quarter. Utah will be down by four. We'll have the ball, try to drive a couple times. Maybe won't get it done. And Washington salts it away, wins 21-16. I like it. I mean, I don't like it, like it, but that's that's a good well, prediction. I think deep down you do like it, though. I, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest. I'm I'm very cordial on online, on the internet, and, and polite with other fans I meet, but – Sometimes at home, when the other team like NIU has some crazy break, I'll I'll just be like, yeah, and you know, it's it's hurtful to people who love that team. So it's it's rivalry, man. It's how it is. People, it that's. I wish if I could do change one thing about this rivalry, fans is they understand it. It's okay to be obsessed <laughs> about your freaking rival. It's okay it to talk okay. about them. You don't ever see Ohio State, Michigan saying, "Oh, look at Michigan still talking about us." No, they just make fun <laughs> of each other and they have fun. You know, I wish that yeah, it, whenever. I say something or a couple of the other Ute fans say something or there's some BOE fans. It's always like, oh, you're obsessed. Oh, Uh, in your head, rent-free, all that crap. Screw that, dude. It's a freaking rivalry. That's what it's about, man. (laughs) 
It is. Yeah, anyway. love it. So that's um, my prediction for this Utah game weekend. I'm going to say Utah will keep it within two touchdowns, but barely. It's going to be a 13-point loss. Uh, it's going to be uh, – and I, I will say also the offensive line will show improvement from last week. The Harding will have been on them all week. They'll know they are playing for their jobs, and they're going to allow less than six sacks. There will still be some sacks. <laughs> I hope so. Less than yeah. six, though. Because you were uh, saying that's the that's the metric. If, if Washington can get more, then, hey, there's a problem. I'm going to say less than six sacks. I'm going to say at some point – the ref is going to have to stop the game and say something in the microphone about the crowd. And that's okay. vague, but that's intentionally vague. The crowd will have a mention from the referee on television. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean, like, you guys are all terrible and it's going to be bad. Maybe he's going to be like, we'd like to thank the crowd for being polite with their cheers or something. But the crowd will be mentioned. <laughs> that's my specific prediction. Uh, infraction warning. Too much yes. beer being dumped on Washington fans. <laughs> Yes, please. Fifteen yard penalty. You're dumping. Oh man. <laughs> All right, man. So give me your thoughts on how the Cougar game went for you. Okay, so first drive, Tanner and company, they go down the field nonstop. They have a fourth and short. Kalani goes for it, gambles, fails. And at that point I was like, I don't even care because BYU picked up right where they left off. Their offensive line imposed their will. They had no problem at all marching down the field. This is the same team that we saw against Arizona. BYU football that was back against Arizona, they are still back against Cal. At that point in the game, I was like, doesn't even matter. I don't even care. Now, hindsight and a three-point loss, it's like, dang, we should have kicked the field goal. That would have made all the difference in the world. I had no idea. I don't know. They fell apart. Now, either – and that's the thing. You look at it – I didn't tweet this out because I hate getting all political on Twitter, but let's talk about gun control for a minute and like school shootings and all that. Oh, okay. You've got, Are you sure you, you want to do this? <laughs> I do because okay. people can't tell me I'm an idiot and have me hear it right now. They can tweet at me later, but I don't care. You've got a contingent of the country that says we need better gun control. And then you've got another contingent that says we need better mental health care and things like that now neither neither are wrong everybody like there's plenty of improvement to go around to make the country safer right you're not going to dismiss one altogether like there's room for both people to be right and that's how i felt like BYU offense when people on twitter are like get tanner out of there and other people like the receivers are dropping the balls it's like no no no. you can both be right everybody sucks right now and then you throw in the play calling some of these head scratchers of why are we doing this at this point in time i mean it it collapsed after that first drive where I was like, hey, we're still back, we're still awesome, I don't know what happened. And you could also say maybe nothing happened. Maybe Cal is brilliant. Maybe they're talented. Maybe they just got it figured out and shut them down the rest of the game. I, I have a feeling that's not what happened. This felt to me like a game where BYU did BYU things from last year. So I, I don't know. I, I still believe in this season because of what I saw on that opening drive and because of what I saw last week. Uh, that being said, this this week, I we do we even need to talk about this week? Uh, I mean, it's up to you. This is your wheelhouse, your your they, cougars. <laughs> they are not. I'll I'll back up a little bit. I have zero expectations against Wisconsin. If it's not as bad as fifty to zero, that's great. But 
I've been there before. Not too long ago, BYU was placing number three Oklahoma to open the season, and I went into that game with the exact same expectation, saying, yeah, this, well, we're getting money, so that's fine. You know, we'll get paid. We're getting on TV. That's fun. And then to suddenly see BYU gut out a victory, and not just like a lucky victory, like they were, they played well. They did great. They won that game, and they earned everything they got out of that game. And to look at that and be like, man, that's I love that about sports. I love that I can go into this Wisconsin game with no expectations, and you know what? This might be the greatest game I've ever witnessed in my life. And I always tell myself that going into fourth quarters, too. When we're down three or four scores in the fourth quarter and everybody's turning off and driving home and doing other things, I'm like, you know what? This might be this might be the quarter you never forget the rest of your yeah, life. You never know. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's true, man. Sports is is that way. But then let me ask you though, that Oklahoma game you had one of your best quarterbacks in the last twenty years, maybe your best in the last twenty years, Max Hall. Yeah. You had you had Cauley on that team, right? Yeah. Do you have two guys like that on this team that can lead a, a huge upset? Uh, Tanner has shown greatness in the past, so uh, yes, he's capable of it. Uh, he's also shown something Max Hall never did. I mean, Max Max was good, but Max was consistently good. Tanner, good Tanner, I'd say, is just as good, if not better, than good Max. Bad Tanner is nowhere near as bad as bad Max. And bad yell, Max, do you I yell mean, bad Tanner during his bad Tanner? No, bad <laughs> bad dog. Uh, one of the last times I was in Lavelle Edwards Stadium, well, I've, I've been there a few times since then. Watching Riley Nelson against Washington State, where Riley was wildly inconsistent, and I love Riley for his heart and for just his—I mean, he—he he never gave up, he never quit, but he made some weird decisions sometimes. And so it was one play. I'm like, "That's my quarterback. That's my guy." <laughs> and I'm like, just yelling that from the stands. Very next play, I'm like, "Get the bum out of here!" Yeah, you know? yeah. Oh man, I'd, sorry to sidetrack you. Go on. With no, your, that's your, all your right. I, that's about what this bad, is good, all about. Good and bad Tanner. Good and bad Tanner. I feel You're like in the middle. Good Tanner can win this game for us, absolutely. Just like, I mean, BYU is capable of it. Uh, I'm not expecting it, though, because I've seen too much of non-good Tanner and and the receivers dropping the balls and personnel issues. Defense has been great, but I mentioned this last week. The defense of BYU that has been great is the line and the linebackers. The secondary is sketchy, and Hornibrook is the best quarterback they will face this year. This is the opponent's chance to really pick us apart, which is why I'm not expecting big things. But... Never know. Miracles Never know, happen. Man. Magic Miracles happens. Happen. So what's your prediction then? I mean, you're right, because it could be – I mean, you never know. Magic – I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say <laughs> magic. Uh, you caught me there. Miracles happen, and, and, you know, you could have something like that, but you could also have something like uh, like Michigan a couple years ago where just – where with Tanner, went to Michigan. Yeah. They lost 30 – was it 31 nothing, and it just felt like – it was almost like the LSU game where they just couldn't move the ball, you know? Can I Can I tell you about that day? Please do. We're going to sidetrack. We're going to talk about that day. The night before, I was at the high school football game, and I get a text from somebody in church that need, they needed an extra dad to go to this kid's scout camp and day camp. And I was like, oh, man. I'm like, it's freaking, it's like 10 degrees out, and we're still up here doing this stupid like day camp thing. And I stared at it, and it was a group text, so I gave it two minutes, gave yeah. it three minutes. Nobody else was responding, and I'm like, my only excuse is I'm going to watch football. So I was like... All right, fine. So I text back. I'm like, all right, I'm in. And then the guy, like, three down from me at the same game, he's like, oh, thanks, man. I'm just like, (laughs) (laughs) so 
I I recorded the game. I DVR that game. Spent the whole day, and it was fun. I spent a, a fun day with because I have two sons that were around that age. I was able to bring the younger one with us uh, early, and and we had a fun time at that camp. So I get home, and I had shut off social media. Had the phone on airplane mode all day, so no one could text me anything like that. And I watch, and I'm I'm glad I didn't have to suffer through three and a half hours of that. I went through it in about an hour, and just was like, holy cow, this is this is the worst game ever. As soon as I finish. I, I and this is my the monster me coming out a little bit here. I said to myself, you know what? At least Utah is playing a really good Oregon team right now. <laughs> and Oregon, I don't know what they were ranked. Oregon was good. They, they were, were both like, ranked eighteen, yeah, eighteen and nineteen or something like that. We were both top yeah. twenty. So I was like, at least I can turn over to the Utah game that's live right now and see Utah fans going through the same thing. And I look over, holy cow. Utah was just smashing Oregon. It was something like 50 to 3 when I turned it on. I don't know what it was, but it was a blowout. And then I turned it over just in time to see that crazy punt return where uh, Covey gets it, chucks it sideways, touchdown on the punt return to make the score even more lopsided. And that that all happened to me in the same moment. Nobody else in in this fandom had that moment. That's a double punch to the gut, bro. That sucks. Turned off the TV, threw the remote. Luckily, I live in Alaska where I don't have to be angry in the middle of the night drinking water. I can just walk around and look at the aurora and, like, you know, the universe tells me that football sucks One small correction to your story, though. It was the – Covey faked receiving the punt. And oh, yeah, that was, was it. It was Booby Hobbs at the top of the screen that grabbed it and scored. And, dude, I wish the world could have ended that night because <laughs> that was the moment where it's like, oh, my freaking gosh, this Utah team is incredible. We have a senior Travis yeah. Wilson who has paid his dues. We have a senior uh, Devontae Booker. We have Kenneth Scott. We have Covey. We just annihilated Oregon. I mean, we made them freaking look re ridiculously silly and we ended up being ranked number three on monday the next day you know yeah number three bro and i was like oh my gosh i can't believe this i just wish the world would have ended then (laughs) that play too that was the most beautiful punt return i've ever witnessed i mean that it was perfect the defense all bought it cubby sold it incredible it was incredible it was it was amazing so yeah, uh, world- it was that point I was like, maybe Wit has finally figured out that offense wins in this league. Yeah, yeah. And then here we are, three years later, and we're still having the same problems we've had for a decade. But I digress. That was a that was a fun night. How much of that? This is something I've thought for years. Wit, he's obviously defensive minded. He he's notoriously takes the most talented players in the state and turns them into defensive players. You know, he takes. You got Chase Hansen, who was the best quarterback in the state, and now he's a linebacker. And this isn't the first time he does that Dude, over and over and over. You you look at his track record, though. If you're an offensive guy and Witt says come play defense, you do it because you're right. Yeah. Look at Chase Hansen; he's incredible at linebacker. You look yeah. at he did that to Paul Kruger, who was a quarterback, and he had a long NFL career. Made yeah. he led the league in sacks one year. He had an incredible career. You look at Sean Smith, who was a wide receiver coming in. Mm-hmm. He moved him to defensive back. He's still in the league, dude. If if mm-hmm. Witt tells you, hey, I think you need to move to defense, you should run as fast as you can because he knows Definitely. what's up in that regard. Offense, yeah, he doesn't. He hasn't. We we're still cracking that code, but defense, so, he knows what's up. That's what I want to say, though. Is is yeah, his defenses are amazing. His defensive players turn out amazing. So yeah, for if you're the one, yeah, you listen to him, you do it. But 
Utah has struggled no matter who the offensive coordinator is on offense. Now, I felt like this was going to be the year they wouldn't because Troy Taylor has some experience now. He has his guys. You've got recruits that are specifically offensive recruits. You're not going to take Huntley. You're not going to take Moss. You're not going to take Simpkins and and turn them into defensive players. At least I, I wouldn't expect you to. So you've got specific offensive guys showing up for offense. You know, Jack Tuttle, if he makes Jack Tuttle a linebacker, it's, Dude, it's time to give up on the here's program. here's what I'll, yeah here here's my biggest struggle with wit and I'm a big wit guy there's people I I fight with all the time saying wit's a wit's the guy but my biggest struggle with him is his uh, his offensive his his offensive issues coordinators every year here's what mm-hmm. happens Jack Tuttle Jack Tuttle will either a be an incredible quarterback and set all kinds of records or He'll have a Travis Wilson-like career where he'll start out with some some promise and then just never really progress and improve, you know? Yeah. And I hope to crap that it's the former. Um, yeah. He does have a great career. But, you know, you, I mean, I was talking to a friend about this. History is history. You can't argue it. We struggle every year putting a dynamic offense on the field. And maybe it's just something we have to just accept that we will always be in games because of our defense that we will mm-hmm. have occasional flashes but never anything consistently awesome. Well, and you'd mentioned, okay, Max Hall, probably the last truly great BYU quarterback that had BYU, that quarterback NFL experience. You know, he played a few games for the Cardinals. Since then, we've had some really promising quarterbacks. And the thing, I don't think Max Hall, back then I didn't follow recruiting and all that as closely. He, I'm sure he was great. I mean, he had a year with the Arizona State uh, before he transferred. But you look at that since then we've had the elite 11 champions a couple times you know and if you look at okay a high school and potential and promise yeah BYU should have had a couple Heismans and everyone makes fun of BYU for all the the preseason Heisman talk and all that and that's spread now if if you if you uh do some Twitter searches just search Tuttle Heisman that's not a BYU thing anymore that's that's a that's a result of having expectations. Utah now has expectations. But for a while, BYU had expectations, and they weren't unbased. They were saying, okay, look, this guy is a co-MVP with Jameis Winston. This guy, Jake Heaps, is outright champion, number one recruit in the nation for quarterback. Sometimes it doesn't pan out. Sometimes it's yeah. uh, it's just kind of hard. And it, you never know instantly this isn't going to pan out. It's a slow, slow. It's it like is. watching the economy tank. It's you, know, sad. you don't go out of business in one day. You go out of business in two years, and it's a rough two years. That's that's yeah. kind of let's go ahead and wrap it up. Looking forward to this weekend's games. Want to once again thank our sponsor Soda Flow and uh, go ahead and tell us, people if you show up at Soda Flow and mention that you heard about this place from North and Gold Podcast, uh, what what do they get? Well, I'll talk to the owners and get you a twenty five percent discount on every drink and treat Ooh. you order from Soda Flow. Soda Flow, purveyor of the finest specialty coffees, flavored sodas, and treats known to mankind, located in North Salt Lake, Utah. Also, we have a new sponsor this week, a second sponsor, Midwest yes. CES. They do uh, medical services in uh, Kansas City, Oklahoma, Missouri, and Kansas, and uh, they've chipped in to sponsor our program so if you need medical exams done and you live in the midwest midwest ces speaking of kansas city my boy kansas city ute had a brilliant idea i don't know if you saw this i am so in on this he's saying that i his yeah so his goal is to lose i'm not not in in on this one no you're already in great shape though so we met several years ago 
We met several years ago, and, and I was in great shape at the time, and you weren't as much. And we've completely since then. I've moved to Alaska. I'm in bad shape. You're in great shape. Like we've just we're just always on Incredible opposite shape. directions of the same road. So. <laughs> Incredible shape is exactly how I describe it. Yeah. Coming coming back to that though, I'm I'm in I'm in to lose 20 pounds by the BYU Utah game. If not, the penalty, my self-imposed penalty, is I'm going to be wearing Ute gear that day and all of that game, and I have to sh- put a picture of myself on Twitter out there. So that's some motivation, and I like that. I like that I'm uh, I'm going to be a little more driven now because that would su- I've it's never good. there are zero pictures that exist right now of me in Ute gear. So I don't want to like end this streak of not having pictures in Ute gear. There is a picture I'll text you that exists of me in BYU gear. One year I <laughs> bet my boss on the Utah BYU game is actually 2007. The the fourth and eighteen year, and so yeah. the loser, the winner, got to de- design the loser's Christmas card, and so <laughs> I lost, and so he had a Christmas card of us, my wife, my daughter, and me at the time when they had one kid, all dressed up in BYU gear, and I look very unhappy. But I'll send that to you. I'll text that to you. Nice. Yeah. Come join us. It doesn't have to be twenty pounds. If you'd like to be healthier, uh, and maybe it's not a weight goal, maybe it's like drink more water or whatever you know whatever your goal is put that as collateral the collateral is you're going to embarrass yourself by wearing your opposing team's gear there's a bunch of us i think there's at least 10 of us doing this so this will be this will be fun all right we will chat with you all next week go utes go cougars